All right, what's cracking, everybody? Happy Tuesday, 5-18-21, a.m. out here in nice Colorado. Beautiful, beautiful Colorado. Got some low clouds over Lake Dillon, the Dillon Reservoir. You know, the mountains are kind of starting to peak out, some blue sky. Looking freaking beautiful out here, and I'm, like, just chilling outside. You know, I got up super early. My sleep schedule's all messed up. I'm like, why not record a podcast? I didn't do it yesterday. I'm out on vacation, but... You know, I was reading about the markets, and I just realized that I have to make a podcast. I mean, I've just been looking at some credit data. I just want to show you how jacked up everything is. I want to talk about, you know, Michael Burry's uh, announcement of just hyperinflation, all that hyperinflation, anti-Tesla, you know, long calls on and long stock in, you know, petroleum companies. Uh, what do I have to think about that? Um and, you know, I mean, it's it's a lot of noise, but I think it's very interesting because he's a very well-respected investor, you know, called the big short. Um, I used to think, like, I think the end game is where he's at, but I think he believes we are already in the end game. I think we're a little, we still have some more room to run before we get there. Um, and, you know, I, like why it won't be hyperinflation now. It'd be more of a disinflation because of this credit card issue. And then I wanted to talk about, you know, a little housing bubble stat. I guess I could read it off for you right now. I wasn't going to plan to go into this article too too deeply, but California home prices shoot past 800000 for the first time. Um, just, it's crazy because, you know, you look at, you know, where we were in 2008, about like, you know, 600000 And, you know, back, you know, 2019, we peaked out. And, you know, we weren't going any higher. You know, prices started to go down quite a bit um, around 600,000 even you know as the fed was cutting interest rates in august of uh 2019 so you know as i was making these arguments you know as i was saying we were in a recession before covid and you know as i told my friend ethan you know uh i, I always talk about the story but so you guys know the story but i tell my friend ethan in class one day i go dude we were in a housing bubble like right before COVID, I'm like, and I, and I think it's coming to an end because you saw in January of 2020, as I was beginning to notice this, I was look, the yield curve was inverted. You know, short end yields higher than long, low end yield, longer end yields. Okay, then we all know what happened with COVID. Couldn't catch a bid for a bond. Yields wanted to skyrocket. The Fed said, "Heck no, QE to the moon." Um, and what does that cause? It's caused what I'm about to talk about today. So that's just a nice way to start it off. Another thing, I just saw this article like just now, because you know, yesterday I was like, you know, what? I'm in Colorado, I want to enjoy this. Uh, I was actually really tired too. I drove for like 15 hours overnight, um, and so I was like, no podcast. But you know, I think if I'm just like my sleep schedule's jacked up, I'm getting early. Uh, might as well try to fit some in some days. You know, no promises all this week, but I'm gonna try to get get them done. But uh, Vitalik Buterin, uh, I hope I'm saying it. Vitalik Buterin, or whatever, how do you say his name? Co-founder of Ethereum goes, he got into, oh, I read the article wrong. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm dumb. He, never mind. I just, I, hate, I, I, I despise Ethereum. So, you know, that, I'm definitely biased, and I got to disclose that on the podcast. You know, like, I, I hate Ethereum. Well, I don't hate Ethereum. I think that Ethereum is one of the most overhyped cryptos. Um, but, I mean, speaking of cryptos, I guess I'll just go over their markets now. I guess I'll go over the stock market now too, and then actually no, I want I, the the main point of this podcast is to uh, really focus on you know this credit article um, that I was reading and my main takeaways and you know what I've been seeing too, it's not just from this article. Uh, you know I've been I've been noticing 
this uh, credit data as well. I'm just going to check the bank's systemic risk indicator. I want to see if they updated this thing. They probably didn't. Yeah, of course they didn't. Okay, cool. Um, let me see here. I'm just going to my history because I want to pull up the article. All right, perfect. But uh, all right, before I do that, I guess I should do my disclaimer. So I'm a student. I love the markets. These are my views. Not financial advice. I'm not a financial advisor. Not buying or selling any investments, you know. Just here talking about the markets because it's fun as heck, especially when you're in Colorado and have a beautiful view. You hear the birds chirping, I hope. And, I mean, no freaking complaints, man. You just, I'm loving it, so I want to get this thing done. Uh, just like to share my ideas. Let's see what's the next thing. Um, uh, yeah, you know, if you want to do, you want to, like, freaking, you know, go to a casino, go gamble. You always do your homework before you invest, you know. Like, you know, the stocks I buy, I'm pretty freaking picky about, um, you know. So, anyway, I do, I do, you got to do a lot of homework or else, you know, just go to a casino. And the last thing, every investment is have potential profit, potential loss. You know, not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Let's freaking get to it. So, crypto markets, you know, it's hilarious. You know, Bitcoin's down 20% over seven days, all off of Elon Musk's news. You know, if Elon Musk never said that stuff about Bitcoin, I truly think you wouldn't have seen this crazy correction. We all know what he said, how Bitcoin uses so much energy. It's true. But if you don't know that before you buy Bitcoin, what are you doing? And if the audio is messed up at this point, I don't care because I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too far into it. And I don't want to stop this podcast because I'm actually I'm actually pretty freaking pumped to do it. You know, it's just it's, I'm loving it. I'm loving life right now. Anyway, okay. So Bitcoin's down seven twenty percent over seven days off that Elon Musk news. It's like I was saying it's way too high, and you know this is just giving it a chance to correct. But I mean, I think people are starting to realize you know Elon Musk can move Bitcoin. And I saw this from a tweet from Peter Schiff, and. I don't have it up in front of me, but like pretty much to paraphrase, he's like, if Elon Musk can tweet one thing about Bitcoin and it falls 20%, then what is the value in it? And like, he doesn't really, I don't know if, I, I think Peter understands how Bitcoin works, but I just think he's, he, he despises it and he never will believe in it because he's such a gold bug. You know, you know, it was my critique Peter, which I mean, I, I mean, I hope he, he won't get mad. Dude, the guy, the dude just like is never, never thinks he's wrong. And, you know, that's freaking dope. And, you know, that's probably why he's so successful and so convicted to his ideas because they're usually right. But, uh, you know, I think he's a little bit wrong on Bitcoin. I mean, I think if Bitcoin went down, you know, where it goes to 35K, it's at 43,000 right now, 43,980. <laughs> like, <coughs> I was getting near my price target. I was, I've been saying I need to buy at 35 and I'm going to do that. So, um, you know, I just think I think I think the Bitcoin, this gave Bitcoin an excuse to sell off. If people are going to overreact. I said I'm going to buy at 35, but it could go much lower than that. But I'm buying at 35, more at 25, and then the last round I'll buy in is 15. If it goes there, if it goes to five, then I'll cut the investment. I'll just like hodl for life, but I won't buy more there. Um, so that's my plan with Bitcoin. You know, Ethereum down thirteen percent over the past seven days. You know, over the weekend, you know, big moves down to three thousand four hundred nine, off of being up four thousand. Uh, Cardano on the past seven days, though, you know, as I said, you know, you know how much I love Cardano. I think it's an alternative to Bitcoin and Ethereum, it's, which it is. I uh, assert I. I urge you guys, you know, if you're interested in crypto, go read up on these cryptocurrencies for yourself. Um, their protocols, read their white papers. You know, you gotta, if you understand the basic technology of it, then you're, and you think in practical terms, like, is this applicable? 
that's how you find a cryptocurrency. You don't go off what the crowd says. You do your research. I mean, this is that's how I got into crypto. Like my friend Colin, as I, I talk about on the podcast, like he was like, go, go look at uh, Ethereum. Go look at Bitcoin. I just bought a bunch, and this is like on like New Year's. We we're playing like Fortnite or something. I go, no, bro, Bitcoin's a scam. Buy gold. And I started talking to my dad about it, and my dad's like, oh yeah, I heard Ethereum's up like five hundred percent or something over the past year. I'm like, what? And so then I'm like going back to school, you know, I got a lot of stuff to do new semester. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to, you know, and like I was just doing flight, you know, this, I had like two weeks off for, you know, before everything started. And I go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm straight up just going to grind crypto and like learn about it. And I started learning how, how block, I started off how blockchain works. Okay. And then I realized, then I watched like read a paper on Bitcoin understood how bitcoin works you know the having cycle bull markets bear markets its history you know all the way from the very beginning until now and especially with that last cycle uh, in 2017 2018 we all know what happened there and that real i saw i saw the promise in technology and how it could truly revolutionize the world blockchain then i started getting a DeFi. you know one of my favorite cryptocurrencies when i first started out was this exchange called synthetics because it was the first cryptocurrency exchange that i heard of where you could trade synthetic stock and you know there's a bunch of better better ones out there i didn't know this at the time uh that there there are alternatives to you know synthetics um but so I just put all my money in synthetics. I made a good amount because it was altcoin season and synthetics was booming. Since like I sold, it's down con- considerably while other exchanges are up. And I think people are realizing that there's better exchanges out there. But, you know, that's one thing that's going to happen in the cryptocurrency world. There's like over a thousand cryptocurrencies, but really five to 10 percent are going to make it, I say. And, you know. Other people have their, their different views, but I mean, I think the smart people in the crypto space know that five to 10 will make it. And so that's what you're screening for. That's what you're looking for. You know, these currencies with promise. And that's what I found. So once you start to understand how blockchain works and these different current cryptocurrencies, what's their ideas, you know, Stellar is another cryptocurrency I just fell in love with. Um, and, you know, I think and it's just like XRP. Everyone knows XRP, but, you know, Stellar Lumens are like the fa- one of the, the co-creator, you know, the founder of Stellar Lumens um, was a co-founder of, and he was on the Ripple team. And they had some disagreement and they left, but the, they're pretty similar protocols. But the one thing about XRP is you can't buy it on, on Coinbase, number one. And, you know, they, got, they have problems with the SEC, so I want to touch it. But just get into crypto. It's, I, mean, I mean, I think just taking time to learn the technology rather than, than dismissing it or, you know, just buying Bitcoin because everyone has it. You know, if you really understand it and you understand the cycles and how everything's supposed to work, not, you know, not how everything, I mean, how it trades, why is it valuable? Like, does Bitcoin, can I hold a Bitcoin? No, I can't. And people go, where's the value? Well, it's like, Gold has value because humans give it value because it, you know, it always holds its, because you have to, gold actually has value, sorry, sorry, because you have to go out and, you know, mine it and, you know, Bitcoin tries to mimic that, but it, you, you know, you can't hold it. It's the difference between Bitcoin and gold is, you know, Bitcoin is not like in the real world at all. You can't compare the two at all, but it's very hard to compare the two, but a lot of people try to make the arguments, but, you know, gold is scarce. Bitcoin tries to mimic, like, get, get, you know, that kind of gold type feel by being scarce i feel like i'm gonna spend way too much time on my podcast mumbling about cryptos because i really just want to talk about credit but i mean i just think this is this space is is why is interesting because just uh 
it's so many people are dumbfounded by it, whether it's, you know, adults or people my age, because everyone just wants to get rich quick, quick it feels like. And, you know, you know something's too good to be true when everyone is a crypto millionaire. And, you know, call me, call me a hater, call me a skeptic. And, you know, I definitely am. But, you know, you start to see crazy rational behavior, crazy movements in markets um, near the end. And, you know, look at 1929. Um, you know, there were problems in the beginning of this year. Federal Reserve lowered interest rates, I believe. And then the market went up another like 20%, 10, 20%, and then crashed. You know, it gets a little out of whack. And, you know, I mean, the crypto is uh, already popping. You know, the past seven days, down 20% on Bitcoin. Um, you know, Litecoin down 16%, Chainlink down 13 Cardano's up. And, you know, I think Cardano is like a, a, an alternative to Bitcoin. I think people are just start just starting to discover it. Apparently, 70% of Cardano's are like staked. And so, like, they're, like, locked up in, like, the, the digital world. And, you know, they're getting interest interest on them, on the Cardanos that are staked. But, um, like, they're, they're not being, like, traded and exchanged to the real world. So, they're just, like, locked up. So, like, that's money locked into the Cardano, which gives it a lot more value than it did. But, you know, I still want it under a dollar. Um, Stellar Lumens, it's at 62 cents, 65 cents. I want it under 40 cents. Uh, v chain it's at 16 cents i want it at least 10 cents um so yeah you know it's a, it'll be a, it's a, like a correction people are gonna freak out but you know what am i gonna do like i'm just gonna buy the dip and, and it will buy by the by the correction by the crash whatever you want to call it and then same thing in the equity markets you know let's get into the yield curve because you know i think it, it's always uh, uh well actually i want to talk more about this credit more about credit so um basically I was reading this article and it's talking about credit card versus junk junk bond spreads and why credit cards have not been, you know, um, the interest rates are still high on them. Like I think I have like fourteen percent APR on my credit uh, credit card right now, and like you know those rates are a lot higher versus you know bank interest rate payments, you know overnight interest rate for banks, you know it's like zero and it's like one. Corporate interest rates are like near zero mortgage rates are on your all-time lows you know last week at 2.94 percent so you start to think okay well, why is my credit card interest rate so high and the whole thing is is because that is such a key component of banking and you know such a key generation of revenue that you know the fed's like okay if we you know banks are having a really 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 tough time making money on these low interest rates you know that's why you see the you know collapse of european bank stocks of japanese bank stocks of american bank stocks you know over the past 10 years until you know recently um and people are so bullish on banks and what they aren't understanding is stimulus checks are being used to pay down um pay off their debt on their credit cards and so I'm going to get back into, like, I'm going to explain this just in case I, if I didn't make sense. And I, I took notes, so, like, you got like, I don't want to sound confusing because I think this is very important. It's good for banks when we have debt because they make money off the net interest income, the interest revenue, from, like, having us to pay off the loan on the interest on, like, the debt we had. Bad for banks when we pay down the debt because they don't have money, they don't make money on the interest on the card, and so they have an interest expense. And so the banks, Q1 of 2021 reported net interest, um... Income loss, no, sorry, income interest loss of like 158 billion combined, and so 
this is showing you that you know credit cards their spreads have like widened a bit since the great since the you know great recession and every single other um you know bond yields uh like you know corporate bonds have tightened their spreads have like gotten a lot more narrow and you know narrow spread is good wide spread is bad wide you know more credit def- you know more risk to default narrow spreads you know people like to say now price of perfection i call it complete manipulation of the market but basically the spreads between high risk debt and lower risk debt have narrowed and like are near record lows and like so this is what i'm talking about so if like the spread between this so i guess the spread between like high risk and low risk look at the spread between credit card um yeah basically credit the spread between credit cards junk you know high risk consumer debt and b-rated junk bonds high risk corporate debt okay they've widened over the past uh, decade they've doubled okay they went from being six in 2010 2011 to 12 currently so you know that is insane that is insane spreads from high risk debts and lower risk debts have narrowed and currently neared record lows the exception is credit card interest spread between credit card interest high risk consumer debt and bb rated junk bonds high-risk corporate debt they've widened by like you know they doubled over the past 10 years so what does that show you it shows you that you know there are fundamental issues in the marketplace there are problems and you know what do you need you need consumers you know the you know consumers are doing all that you know they're they're basically getting screwed you know they're like debt slaves pretty much they are propping up the bank system every single other you know spread has narrowed and so the banks are having a lot of trouble making money on it and so what are they doing instead what do you see oh you see the stock market's up 28 percent over the past 10 years since we started qe since we've committed to you know narrowing credit spreads since easing the credit markets and you know what are consumers doing consumers they are paying debt and they're they have not been paying it down until now and so the whole thing is is we are basically becoming japan because we we are trapped in this you know the federal reserve is easing all the corporate markets corporate markets and you know the credit card debt is is just going through the roof and people are starting to pay it down ever since they've been getting all these stimulus payments, you know, savings are up. And we'll talk about how good that is. And, you know, that is great. That is 100% good. But how are you going to have economic growth if people continue to save and spend, uh, save, not spend, and pay down their credit card debts? You know, over the past, since COVID, since you've been getting stimulus checks, they've been going down substantially. What happened in Japan People started paying down their debts. People started saving. You know, after this big stock market bust in 1988, 1989, you know, the you know the Nikkei was not able to recover. The Japanese economy was not able to recover for you know 15, 20 years. Okay, so what am I saying right now? Is this whole COVID, this whole stimulus, this stimulus that I say in quotes, is it really stimulus? Like, is it really going? Is it going into, you know, it's not stimulating the economy. People are using it to pay down their previous obligations. Banks can't make money. They already can't make money off the corporate markets. Credit is contracting. That is deflationary. 
that is that is straight up deflationary although you have all this you know infrastructure and you know if people continue to get stimulus and continue just to pay down all their debts and it's funny money and then it starts going into the real economy you know you start to see like people you know bidding up all these um cars houses and i'll talk about the mortgage market you know is, is really different um the, that market is so manipulated and <laughs> and these forbearance these forbearance problems are showing you that a lot of loans are delinquent but they're not being counted as delinquent and so you know housing prices continue 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 to go up but it's because you know people go oh well look at you know look at uh delinquent loans uh yeah I, i'll pull up the chart because I'm, I'm i'm just i was like i was using this to like i was i guess it's all tied together but like if credit this all goes to show that credit is contracting you know and and the loans that are delinquent you know we, we won't be able to pay them back or at the highest they've ever been but they're not being they actually on the, uh, the chart are the lowest in 12 years but the loan, the amount of loans that we're giving out are at the highest, but the loans in delinquency, within the next like ninety days, are the lowest ever. And you know, people talk about, okay, like what's that from? Well, it's from forbearance because forbearance does not count as delinquent loans. All of these mortgages are in forbearance right now, meaning, you know, your your you don't your debt is not that debt is like that you're it's delinquent. Um, here, let me get, let me get, let me just get hit up at this, uh, you know, article right here. Um, credit card balances, the big plunge in credit card balances are going down. Credit is contracting. And so you're like, okay, like what's that from? When did it peak out? It peaked out at the beginning of 2020, Q4 2019. When was that? When we were having... When I, we were in this recession right before COVID, you know, credit card, people start to say, okay, I'm going to start paying down my credit card. These are very low interest. I'm going to start paying down my credit card. And, you know, what does the Fed want? Fed wants a expansion of credit to boost the economy. Okay. And, and then you look at credit card delinquencies in the last 90 days. Ever since 2016, it started to go up. And from, you know, 2019, from COVID, from the bottom of COVID, it started to increase, you know, when did it peak out last time? You know, when did like what, like when did credit card delinquency start to rise rapidly? Started to rise two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and you know this starting to show you it's like look, the balance the balances on our credit cards are going down, and then delinquencies are going up. So even though like a lot of people are just paying down their debt, there's still a lot of people who you know, um, have just uh, a bunch of problems in <laughs> paying down. They're, you know, this phenomenon is super new weird because the stimulus payments are, that are going in to pay down this debt are washing over the fact that delinquencies are still up. Like, these are anomalies I'm talking about. Uh, this podcast, I mean, I was reading this, the, these articles. I'm like, I'm just going to whip one out. Like, I don't really care how I sound because I hope you'll try to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, um, because, you know, I, I just want to get all, all the word out there. But consumer debt balance, oh, th- that... Consumer debt balances are going down. They have been since 2019, okay? And when did it start? Q4. But if you look at delinquencies in the past 90 days, they've been, like, pretty much flatlining. Um, but 
you know, serious delinquencies are starting to go back up for consumer debt in 2021. It went down in 2020 because, you know, there was no consumer debt. There's all this forbearance. People just take stimulus and start paying down their debt. And the whole thing is, is, you know, this stimulus probably be used to go into the real economy. You know, if you use it to pay down your debt, the economy is not going to grow and you're just going to get, it, it, it's, there's no effect in the real economy. It's just, you know, within the banking system. And the fact that you're not going to see any real economic growth, real spending, is just stimulus is wasted dollars. That you know that's why QE and stuff is you know wasted dollars. And so one thing I want to talk about here is mortgage prices. Okay, <sighs> mortgage balances are at the highest they've ever been, and I talked about this before. About in 2019, I go look, we're, mortgage debt's the highest it was in 2008. Okay. We're, we're already back here, and it's going even higher. But if you look at mortgage forbearance, mortgage delinquencies in the past 90 days, it's at the lowest it has ever, ever, ever been. Ever been. And home equity loans delinquencies, lowest it's ever, ever, ever been. Um, and why is that? Because mortgage debt is skyrocketing because people... Um, record high level of like mortgage obligations and you know people have have these outstanding obligations so the balances keep skyrocketing higher home prices bigger mortgages right but then you look at the delinquencies and there's the lowest they've ever been and you go how does that make sense how does that make sense well all these homes are in forbearance and forbearance programs have been extended and if your house is in forbearance the loan is not delinquent if you can't pay it and so it's jacking up all the markets because look it's like we have all these crazy 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 mortgages you know we're using our, this extra stimulus to go pay off our crazy crazy credit debt but we're still like you know a lot of people are, are still you know having issues with that um but you know a lot of stimuluses are going to pay down those outstanding obligations while we're you know going out buying homes taking out mortgages and so the delinquencies are low but those numbers are skewed, and you don't really know what the true effect is. I mean, remember, COVID brought everything to a halt, and prices have been going through the roof. People continue to buy up houses, you know, put down mortgages, there's all this demand for homes, but you haven't been making any real money. The government's just paying you money, and delinquencies, you know, there's no real damage to the economy. I don't think so. The number's fake. So what is that going to cause? It causes a loss of confidence, a contraction in credit. People will not go out and borrow more because, okay, cool. You know, mortgage balances are going down. You know, that's trouble for the banks because, you know, pretty much, you know, consumers, you know, going out, spending on their credit cards, you know, having outstanding balances, you know, that's going to create us money. So whatever, we'll just, you know, extend all these loans on houses. No big deal. And then you know the but then the government gives out this forbearance so you know when there's a mass huge problem you know this these this data will not be counted <laughs> right right now there's 2.2 million homes uh mortgages and still in forbearance um and those that are delinquent do not count as data here so you have no idea what the real effect is no idea what the real damage is on the real economy once these <coughs> Once these programs get lifted, I mean, we're going to see the real effects and you'll see that people have crazy, crazy outstanding loans. They're not going to be able to go out and borrow more and they're not going to have any money in savings besides unless the government continues to do pay them a UBI, a universal basic income. 
But by doing that, they'll devalue the dollar and create massive, massive, massive inflation in the economy because you'll be building up their accounts so much that they'll just be spending funny money that's, you know, been made with no economic, you know, service. You know, that's how we become communist uh, or not communist. I mean, that's how we have a command economy, I should say. You know, America maybe still may still be America, but, um, you know, that's... Uh, I don't know, it just seems very un-American for me. And so you look at loans and leases, they're at the highest level ever, okay? And if you go look at the delinquencies, you know, right before COVID, they're, you know, they're rising rapidly, you know, up like about 3% from 2016 to 2019. And then all of a sudden, COVID happens and the delinquencies start going down. And you think about, hmm, why is this happening? Well, people use these stimulus checks to catch up with their car payments. But okay, then how am I supposed to, you know, uh, how, like there's like you go, okay, that's like very good. And that that's actually like decent and that's decent. And you, know, you can't put like auto, like I don't think there's auto loan forbearance. And the whole thing is, is we're at 4.8% here on auto delinquent auto loans. Where are we in 2018? No, sorry, 2008. 5.3%. No freaking improvement. Barely no improvement. Um, and so that's something I wanted to point out. But you and you look at the loans and leases, these have surged. But why have like the lingerie rates gone down? A loan surge and we're still elevated at 4.8%. You know, still problems in that market. Student loan balances. And like this is just insane. Last year, all government backed student loans automatically enrolled in forbearance programs and they've been extended you know right now everyone's like banking on you know buying and forgive student loans yes 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 let's do that no let's not well that's i say no let's not but you know everyone's like i want free for, i want my student loan to be forgiven uh student loan debt as a consequence borrowers are not making payments on their student loans Student loans that are audit and automatic forbearance do not count as delinquent in the Equifax data here. So the rate of delinquent student loans has plunged in Q2 last year when the forbearance went into effect and has continued to decline. And in Q1, hit a record low of 6.2, even low as loan payments uh, ground to a halt. The low repayments raised in the past based on numerous programs available to borrowers to slow or stall repayments were a large contributor of the ballooning balance of student loans, even as college enrollment declined every year since 2019. So student loan, the amount of student loans has been skyrocketing, even though less people are going to college, right? And you look at, you know, the forbearance in student loans, you know, I know, sorry, uh, the, fa- the student loan delinquency, sorry, since 2011 has skyrocketed ever since we gave out, you know, we halted student loans, we froze the, uh, and froze all payments on them, um, you know, all these, we put all these, uh, sorry, loans into forbearance programs, and so they're not counted as delinquent, and you've seen the rate of uh, student loan delinquencies plummet, you've seen it plummet, because you just don't count student loan debts that are in delinquent, that are delinquent, is, uh, sorry, that are not being paid is delinquent, so, I mean, that is just, um, that is just insane because it's complete manipulation of the data. So everything looks rosy, but it's not. I mean, the whole biggest one is the mortgage markets. And it's like, you know, why does the Fed buy mortgage-backed securities to basically throw throw money into the mortgage market to 
keep it from cracking. And the whole thing is, is this all comes with a major cost. You know, you can't do this forever. Where does it lead to? This is why I'm more in this camp of this. It's just the dollar will be crazy devalued. And the in disinflation inflation argument is a catch-22. It's, it's uh, very, very confusing. Because if the mortgage market collapses, which it will, house, housing prices, home prices need to go lower. And they will because people are buying on funny money. And, you know, because of manipulated interest rates, interest have to go up. They need to tighten policy. There's too much liquidity. But if they tighten interest rates and tighten it, raise interest rates, I'm not sure to say tighten, tighten, raise interest rates, then you'll cause a deleveraging of the whole economy, which is very, very deflationary. And you, yeah, I don't think it, they need to raise interest rate. I mean, I guess that's by definite, like, to contain inflation, I mean... Really, it's the Fed has jacked up the market so much, and by printing all this do- these dollars, you're devaluing the currency and giving it no value at all. And that's hence why I believe bond yields are going a lot lower. But you know, you need credit to expand. But you know, consumers aren't paying down their debt. They're not going out and you know spending on credit cards anymore. They're spending with you know the real stim, you know, cash. That is going to create inflation. And it's me, and that creates some inflation in the marketplace for sure. But will this be able to continue? Will this be able to continue? It seems as if when the government's not paying out stimulus checks, all the data goes down. And so that was a big long rant, and I hope it made sense. Um, freaking garbage truck um but yeah anyway to get back into it let's go over the markets so yesterday oh well, the dow just opened so <laughs> well i know that the dow s&p and nasdaq were all uh down yesterday nasdaq's down like one percent s&p was down like 50 bips dow was down like 30 uh basis points i think and um yeah the gdx yesterday rallied like four percent gold is up like one percent silver up about two i don't know what oil did banks i have no idea how they did how the yield curves curves up you know, i'm going on my phone so i don't have any real-time data so i can't really talk about that but uh yield curve yesterday real rates came in five years down three basis point two basis points one eight spot one eight six negative spot one eight six negative spot one eight eight seven year one from negative spot one two seven to negative spot one two nine ten year one from negative spot eight eight to negative spot nine and thirty years stayed flat negative thirty bips and the thirty twenty 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 years stayed flat negative thirty bips twenty year one from negative spot oh two negative spot oh two so no movement there you go look at the like the real rates and the denominal rates and, you know, rates were going up, except on the short end of things. We were pegged at zero on the 1-1 one, one of Bill. Um, but the 10-year, uh, uh, sorry, 30-year went up one basis point to 2-spot 3-5. 10-year, 2-spot 2-7. 2-spot 2-5, so that's up two basis points. 10-year up 1-spot 6-3 to 1-spot 6-4, up 1. 7-year up 1-spot 2-9 to 1-spot 3-0. And the 5-year up spot at 2-spot 8-4. So, you know, nominal rising 
real rates going down, hence gold doing well. Um, people, you know, starting to realize that this dollar is just destroyed, getting destroyed. And, you know, the currency markets, the dollar got wrecked yesterday. If I do believe I saw that correctly. Well, I'll tell you what it's doing right now. Like the dollar's down 50 basis points again. I think the Dixies, well, according to, against the jet, uh, the yen. But yeah, the dollar's at 89.80, so we're below 90. Um, that's why the market's rallying. People believe, you know, weak dollar is good for the market, but they don't realize that currency being devalued is a very, very, very big issue. So, uh, you know, tomorrow I'll talk about, um, yeah, tomorrow if I do a podcast or if I do one later, you know, I'll go more into the big, big moves in the market, but you know, you know, we're stalling out here. We're stalling out here. The currency is becoming worthless. People are starting to realize that, uh, we have way too much money in the system. And will it be inflation? Will it be deflation? That is the question. But a bit the bigger problem is is in my opinion, is like will people what where do we go? The, we know the dollars the dollar is the problem. It, it it has no value. And it's because of central bank action, because of government intervention, why we have this problem. And people want to say it's inflation, deflation, but really what you should be thinking about is how can I preserve my wealth? How can I protect myself against this impending crisis? You know, with a weak, weak dollar that's worthless, you'll see crazy food prices, crazy food prices. And the thing is, is you know, if the government keeps, you know, the Fed keeps doing QE, keeps, you know, buying up mortgages, putting everything in forbearance, then prices will continue to skyrocket. But if they take that away, then prices will plummet and the dollar will get stronger. So it's a, it's a huge catch-22. It's a crazy, crazy situation we're in. We're just watching the markets and monitoring. You know, markets down yesterday. Uh, we'll see how they move today. They're up. Uh, futures are up quite a bit overnight, up like 70 basis points in the NASDAQ. But right now we're only up uh, 29 basis points. The VIX is at 1995. You know, we closed above 20 yesterday, I do believe. Yeah. And, you know, we're trading right at 20. So it's interesting where we go. You know, I think we're going to 30. So I'll keep you guys posted. Thanks for listening.